You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show. This is an odd part of the season, Matt. It's it's half off-season mode and half, like, very serious football playoffs mode with what's going on on the NFL schedule. There's tons of coach interviews happening for the numerous vacant head coach jobs. Matt and I will talk about those, maybe rank those head coach jobs if we were candidates around the NFL. Ton of GMs to be hired as well. We've got some two-minute drill questions on deck. We'll see how much time we have to get in those today. We might push it back to tomorrow or at least get into some today, some tomorrow. We'll see what happens. But we've got to talk NFL head coaching vacancies, Matt. The biggest news right now this week happening all of a sudden out of Cleveland in the Browns, who haven't been in the playoffs for 18 years. Adults were uh, were not even alive last time the Browns were in the playoffs. And now there is a, a big problem happening in Cleveland there as they get ready for their first playoff game Sunday night against the Steelers. At BD Peacock on Twitter is where you can find me at Williamson NFL. I, we've got to start with Cleveland, Matt, in this story breaking that head coach... Kevin Stefanski is among those coaches and players. Uh, I think Joel Batonio has been confirmed now. Both have tested positive, starting left guard and your head coach, at least, and others on the COVID list and have tested positive for COVID, which means we've got Mike Prefer, who is the special teams coordinator, who will serve as acting head coach for that playoff game Sunday night. Yeah, it's huge news. Uh, I mean, part of me feels bad, like... I mean, Steeler Nation's happy about it, trust me. But uh, w- this is something you and I had talked about leading up to the playoffs. I think you even mentioned it yesterday that, yes, we got every game in, and it doesn't look like this one's in danger of getting pushed to Monday. But who knows? I mean, things can change quick. But I really hope that some team is not without their three starting quarterbacks or entire wide receiver room or entire coaching staffs like we saw with Detroit. And I think Stefanski has done – a remarkable job. I think he would be my vote for coach of the year when it's all said and done. And he's heavily involved with the play calling and the offense and not to mention the day-to-day prep. This is a big, big blow. And then Batonio, I mean, he's one of the better guards in the league. I mean, I know people are like, ah, it's just a guard, no big deal. Well, you got Cam Hayward and Stefan Tuitt and, you know, I mean, it's a, a, a tough task and you don't want to be putting replacement guards in if you don't have to. Yeah, you definitely, and he was a left tackle. He's a good player in the league. Jedrick Wills came in, replacement left tackle, kicked him side to guard, and the Browns had a good offensive line going this year, and that was one of the reasons they've played so well and and kept Baker Mayfield clean and run the ball so well with multiple running backs. So it is a big deal to lose a starting offensive lineman, especially a good starting offensive lineman, and losing your head coach might be bigger than all. I mean, yeah, yesterday I was just talking about it. You don't want to see this happen to and, and wipe out a complete position group like we saw with the Saints the week before and, and Alvin Kamara. I mean, it's a bigger loss for the Browns to lose their head coach and play caller in Kevin Stefanski than it is for the Saints to lose their star player in Alvin Kamara even. And it looks like Alex Van Pelt, former NFL quarterback, will be, um, and he's the Browns offensive coordinator, but Stefanski calls the plays. So Alex Van Pelt will now call the plays too. So that changes everything for the Browns. I mean, this is a huge deal. It's a huge deal. I mean, against a very good defense on the road, First playoff game in a million years, as you mentioned. I mean, this isn't how the team thinks, but maybe you look at it and say, boy, we had a good year. We made our first step to the playoffs. If you don't win this and it doesn't go well, and you kind of have an out. But 
you want to win this game, obviously, and this is not helping matters. Van Pelt, he's actually a pit guy. Um, he's been around the league for a long time. I know he's been heavily, heavily involved in this offense. So I think he's capable, but I don't know what kind of play caller he is. You know, when the bullets are flying and it's third and eight and you need the, the play that Baker's most comfortable with against cover two and the wind, you know, like it, 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 you can't hit pause like you do in Madden and say, hmm, what, what play do I want to call? Yeah. I mean, there's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I, I honestly don't know what kind of game manager Stefanski is because it's only been one year. I mean, handling timeouts and when to go and when to kick and those type of things. But now you got a special teams coach handling those duties. I mean, I don't love that. And I don't know what the, this, the situation there is with symptoms and things like that. Hopefully Stefanski can at least be – you know, in Zoom calls and in meetings, I'm sure he'll have a massive part of the game plan. He just won't be there calling the plays on Sunday and, and won't be there at the facility helping run practice. So uh, it's a big one for the Browns, and that's just today and happening quickly. And apparently there's there's quite a, a hot spot happening in Ohio, in, in the state of Ohio. So I don't know if there's anything the Browns could have done differently to avoid this situation. And, um, and hopefully there are no more because, again, like one offensive lineman has it, oh, no. Couldn't that spread to the rest right. of the offensive line, right? And then, again, you can't play a game without an offensive line. So we'll see uh, how this goes throughout the week and keep tracking this story. But it is a pretty big deal there. And unfortunate for a team that's had so much trouble getting into the playoffs, and now they lose their head coach the week of the game. They have five days to figure this out and get it right against a, a team that, that won a lot of games this season in the Pittsburgh Steelers and a, and a game that I think was winnable for the Browns. And now this is yeah. going to be a, a real wrench in the works for Cleveland's hopes of continuing in the playoffs. Some other news we haven't really talked about yet. This week, we mentioned them in passing when we were going over the games yesterday and uh, just to, to to go over these firings and, and movement with coaches and, and GMs and things that happened after the season ended. Adam Gase fired in New York as Jets head coach, no surprise. Doug Marone fired as head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars, no surprise. And Anthony Lynn was fired uh, in Los Angeles with the Chargers. So those things happened. And uh, two others that were kind of less expected, Vikings offensive coordinator Gary Kubiak is retiring. So now the Vikings are looking for another offensive coordinator. And what's interesting is going all the way back to Washington with offensive coordinator Sean McVay, Kirk Cousins has had six, this will be the sixth year in a row that he's had a new offensive coordinator. Wow. Which is kind of wild. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. I mean, we just talked about Stefanski. He just left. And obviously you moved from Washington to Minnesota a while back. And McVay leaves you while you're at Washington. And yeah, I guess there's been a lot of turmoil. Kubiak, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he retired once already. Yeah, just and a couple years maybe ago. Maybe had some health things. Yeah. So I wonder if he just so, doesn't want to go through this whole COVID thing again in 2021. And um, That's what I'm assuming. And, and who yeah. knows, but you know, I don't want to put any words in his mouth. But yeah, Kubiak again for the second time is sort of stepping away for a little while. Um, and the Broncos shaking up the front office a little bit here with John Elway sticking around, but he's stepping down as GM. I, it's, it's it's hard to tell. Is he is he taking a sidestep? Is he stepping down? Is he stepping up? Because he's still going to be executive, whatever, and and in in the front office, but working hand in hand with a, a GM that's going to be hired, and the GM is going to be more hands on with the team and working with Vic Fangio, who is sticking on as head coach. So it sounds like they're going to run it back with Fangio and Drew Locke, see what they have one more year, but with a new GM in Denver. Kubiak was actually always backup. That's quite the segue by yeah. you. Maybe you know you did that. Fansky but, to, yeah, okay. I did not do that on <laughs> well purpose, done. but uh, not bad. 
Kubiak's last name really should be Shanahan, to be honest with you. I mean, he's like yeah, he's the, the perfect Shanahan disciple, just like McVeigh and you know Kyle and, uh, and all those. You know, a big branch of that tree. My take on the Elway thing is, John, there's a statue up front. You have a you've got some rings. You're a Hall of Famer, but you can't find us a quarterback to save your life. So we're going to say we are quote elevating you in the organization, and we're going to find a GM that can get us a damn quarterback. <laughs> right and and That's so you know, and uh, so Vic Fangio is safe but I wonder if this makes Drew Locke less safe or more safe because when I first heard about this I thought okay well, if Fangio's coming back that means Locke's coming back and they're gonna they're gonna roll that mm-hmm. and see what happens one more time and if it doesn't work then you then you start over a new quarterback new coach but I'm thinking okay well wait, wait a second new GM might have some different ideas and watch some tape and say look we are drafting you know in the top half of the first round we can't pass on a quarterback if he's there I bet that's the approach or Maybe you split the difference a little and give up a second or third round pick for Sam Darnold or bring Mitchell Trubisky in the fold and have a competition. Or maybe that's a Cam Newton landing spot. You know, I'm just spitballing here, but I was very critical of the Broncos last offseason, not because I disliked Locke, but they were just so all in on him. I mean, that one made no sense to not bring any competition mm-hmm. in, not to grab Newton cheap or Winston or somebody like that. I don't think they'll make that mistake again. I think there'll be a competition in camp. Or even, and, and I, I think there's an aspect of developing young quarterbacks that we don't really think about that much. But when you look at all of the really good quarterbacks, they've all had other veteran quarterbacks with them that help them out quite a bit. Even if you go back to like a, a guy that's starting in front of you, which is the old way to do it, you know, Favre leads to Rodgers and Rodgers sits for years behind Brett Favre. Having a guy that you can learn from that can play at a high level that can teach you things. Alex Smith has done it numerous numerous times in the NFL. The latest time was helping out um, Patrick Mahomes and, and he becomes sure. a superstar. And it's not like that's the way you're not going to go from a scrub to a superstar because you have a veteran quarterback around, but someone who can push you, someone we're seeing it in Miami with, with Fitzpatrick and Tua, someone that could literally be better than you maybe. And, and it's almost like they're allowing you to play because they hope you're going to be better, but having a good backup or even a starting quarterback ahead of you when you when you're a young quarterback your first couple of years I think is paramount for a young quarterback and just to give a job to a guy who was a second round pick and not really have anybody that could really push you and help you day to day in a lot of ways uh it was definitely the wrong way to go I think for Denver yeah I 100% agree and I'm a big believer in that as well I mean just along those lines it's not big news but Matt Schaub retired yesterday like Matt yes. Schaub was drafted with Rivers and Eli and Ben and hasn't been able to throw an out route for six years. And he was still in the the organization and a valuable member. And those guys really are coach to quarterback translators. You know, like I'll use the Steelers as an example. They don't have that guy now, but for all of Ben's career, they had Batch, who now works, does what I do with the team. He's very involved. He's in the media. Gradkowski, who works for PFF now. And Leftwich, who's an offensive coordinator. You know, like those are the guys they always had as the bridge from Ben to coach. And I think there's a lot of value in that. Absolutely. Okay, Let, let's get into these coaches. Which jobs are the most desirable around the NFL? And we've got some confirmed head coach interviews in a lot of these spots coming up on this very special episode of Peacock and Williamson. You can go to betonline.ag and find out how much that Browns-Steelers line is swinging now with the latest News. Maybe you already got in on the Steelers side of that action. Any of the other action, Saturday, Sunday, playoff games, bowl season, national championship 
collegefootballbetonline.ag has you covered. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use promo code Locked On for your 50% welcome bonus. Tons of prop bets for the offseason where coaches will go, where players will get drafted. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use promo code Locked On to receive 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Okay, Matt, real quick, let's see if we can. I'm interested in your thoughts here because some of the jobs that that seemed like they're the best jobs might not be the best jobs. There's there's your quarterback in place. There's ownership. There is salary cap. You know, resources to build your team through the draft, and some teams have those things. Some teams don't. But it feels like overall, this is a really good group of jobs for these candidates to be getting cuz almost every team that that needs a new head coach has a pretty good quarterback in place and that's usually the thing that you need the most when you're taking over a new job as head coach. Yeah, or they have the first or second pick in the draft to right. get that quarterback. You know, yes. like or yeah, both. to your point. Yeah, I'm with you. Like to me none of these jobs are oh man, I don't want that one. You know, what an uphill climb that's going to be. I mean, all of them I could see some strong pros, but all of them have some cons too, you know I mean? Which is to be expected because these, these teams are in turmoil and whatnot. I look at the Sean Watson as the best asset that any of these open teams offer, but they have nothing else. Right. You know what I mean? They, their first draft pick this year is 67 overall in round three. Oh, and their defense is horrendous and they need a lot, you know, a lot of work. And then to I do. Yeah. go ahead. As just to say so much work to do. And when you have a superstar quarterback that led the league in passing yards and you're still a four win team, that's pretty telling about what's going on with the rest of the roster. Right. Right. I mean, and Fuller's a free agent. And I mean, like they're going to count on David Johnson and the defense needs everything. I mean, like it's not going to be built in a day, but they do have the best building block of any of these teams. To me, my my favorite jobs are the next two in, in terms of building blocks, and that is Herbert and Lawrence. You know, and they're those teams are in different situations. The Chargers won their last four. They've been very competitive for two years in a row, just lost a ton of close games. They have star power. Derwin James is coming back. You know, I mean, guys like that. They have Keenan Allen and Bosa and Ingram. I mean, they got guys, uh, and their quarterbacks have looks like a stud where the Jags need everything, but they have tons of cards in their hand. So those are my two favorite jobs, but there's none that I dislike. And it's interesting. And by the way, a uh, hat tip to your colleague at the pro football network, a uh, pro football network.com. Ben Rolf is collecting these and has a nice head coach tracker going on with uh, the latest rumors and the latest confirmed interviews that are happening with a lot of cool. these teams. And so as we go through these, I just want to list a couple of uh, interviews that are happening so we kind of get an idea of who potentially could be those head coaches in those new spots. So uh, with the Houston Texans that we were just talking about there, uh, we have Jim Caldwell, Marvin Lewis, uh, and they've also requested head coach interviews with Matt Eberflus, the Colts defensive coordinator, who I think might be a popular candidate here whenever you have a, a really good uh, <laughs> a really good offense or defense during the season in the NFL the coach that's in charge of that unit will get head coach interviews. That's just what happens. Here's an interesting one. Joe Brady, like how fast can you rise in the NFL? One year as an offensive coordinator, he's going to get head coach interviews already, and he might already become a head coach at, what, 31 years old? I think that's super exciting. I mean, he's got 
great references going back to the Saints. It's probably a little early. I mean, you might regret that one in kind of a Zach Taylor-like fashion that, yeah, you're pretty young for this job. Maybe you should, you know, go around the block a couple of years. But you also don't want to miss out on that guy. You <laughs> yeah, know, like too soon is better than too late. You don't want him to just get <laughs> right, one more right. year of seasoning and then your rival signs him as their head coach the next year. Right, then you're playing against him for the next 12 years and he's winning 12 games a, a year. The interesting ones to me there, though, are Caldwell and Marvin Lewis, because I often say this, that there's 32 NFL head coaches at any given time, but there's probably only 40 men walking the planet right now, and several of them are retired, that really understand how to win in this league, you know, how to consistently put out a competitive team no matter what. And I think Lewis and Caldwell have, are two of those 40. You know what I mean? Like, there's an art to – like, I'm not sure Zach Taylor is yet. Maybe he will be someday. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, I'm not picking on Zach Taylor, by the way. He's just a young guy with you know not a great track record. Right. But even though a lot of these coordinators become head coaches, doesn't mean they understand how to win year after year seven-plus games. And I do think Lewis, despite some – awful circumstances with the Bengals. I mean, when he took the Bengals job, they didn't have a scout. They had zero scouts. And now, <laughs> and he put a competitive product on the field. I mean, Caldwell overcame some difficulties in Detroit. Like give those guys to Sean Watson and a couple of years, they may put, do a nice job. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and you never know when you get one level too high. Sometimes a, a position coach doesn't make for a good coordinator when you've got to call plays. And sometimes a great coordinator that's great with X's and O's and calling plays isn't a good CEO of your organization, which a head coach has to be. So there's very few guys that are really good at it on the planet, similar to the quarterback. So when you get coach and quarterback together, uh, that's when you're seeing good organizations do very good things for a very long time. Let's keep this going with the head coaching jobs uh, that are open around the NFL. Uh, by the way, so you mentioned that that uh, Chargers job. And one thing that worries me a little bit is they requested to interview Jason Garrett. And if the Chargers hire Jason Garrett, that's got to be probably the most disappointing hire of any team around the league. Like they're they're interviewing some other guys Joe Brady there included, but Jason Garrett, that seems like an odd interview at this point in, in everything that's going on with the NFL and Jason Garrett's career path. Well, this makes me eat my words a little bit because I said the Chargers were probably my favorite job, but I've also said for the last 15 years, I'm not sure they're a good organization in terms of ownership. You know, they're they never really supported rivers as well as they possibly should. You know, Eli who knew everything there was to know about the league told them, I don't want to be a charger. Don't draft me. You know, um, you know, their holdout situation with Bosa, they never are good on special teams. You know, like they make some bad hires. Like I, I think that's kind of an underreported bad organization. I'm not saying they're bad people. They're just not great football minds apparently. Yeah. And, no, you know, nobody goes to their games in LA, you know, when they, you know, they can't forget that too. Right. Just the fact that you're considering Jason Garrett, I don't think yeah. is a ring endorsement. Yeah. I think it's backing my point. Right. A little bit worrisome. And that's why some of these jobs, maybe you don't get the support you need from ownership. And that could be a factor. It's been a factor for a team like the Bengals for a long time. By the way, we mentioned Zach Taylor's uh, Mike Brown Brown's owner did say that Zach Taylor is coming back for 
the Bengals and, and had some other backhanded compliments about the, the fan base wanting a change. He's like, you wanted this change essentially. So you got it. That was his uh, backing of Zach Taylor, which is interesting. So another, you know, it's like organizationally, maybe even though there's some things in place with drafting quarterback might not be ideal, which leads me to another. And by the way, there's some other Zach really, Taylor is a 19% winning percentage. Yeah, just saying. Yeah. Yeah. He took over a bad situation uh, and, and, and had Lost the number Burrow, one overall you know. pick, but you know, you get bro there. There's, some brightness on the horizon there. But again, organizationally, from top-down ownership down, you, you wonder sometimes. Uh, there are some other good yeah. candidates, though, in Los Angeles. So don't want to crush the Chargers. Brian Dable, I think, would be a great one. Joe Brady, I mentioned. Brandon Staley, another hot name on the defensive side of the ball. Rams defensive coordinator. So uh, we'll see what happens there with Los Angeles. And, and a ton more interviews, I'm sure, to come for them. And I think that is still a very good job. Here's one that's interesting is Jacksonville. Can I throw one thing in? Yes. This year, I always cover my ass a little bit and say, I don't like talking about coaching candidates because I don't know these men. I know what they did to your point that Peter principal, boy, I loved his offense, but I don't know if he's a head coach or not. You know I mean? I've never met them. I, I don't know their track record, but for the chargers real quick, I think the obvious one is just steal the enemy off Kansas city, kind of mimic what they did, understand the division, tell Herbert, we're going to treat you like Mahomes, and go from there. And Biennemi is one of the candidates that is rumored to be uh, at the top of the list for this team, the Jacksonville Jaguars, along with Urban Meyer, which is a really interesting name that could really shake yeah. all of this stuff up. And I don't know where that name came from, but seems to have a lot of heat, as does the guy who replaced him at Ohio State, Ryan Day, potentially. So I don't know what the Ohio State-Jacksonville uh, Jaguars connection is there, but uh, who knows, maybe they're a team that goes to the college ranks. But Owner Shad Khan recently said that he wants to be in control of the roster. So again, organizationally, a team that hasn't terrible idea. Uh, that that's a that would frighten me a little bit if I was a head coach and especially a GM going in there to Jacksonville if there's going to be too much meddling from the ownership. So sometimes you have ownership that's clueless and doesn't know what's going on and can't support you and help you out, and then you sometimes have it the other way where maybe you don't want ownership involved too much. Do you know what Mr. Khan did to become a billionaire? I should know that, and I don't. I mean, he didn't start Home Depot or, you know, I mean, I forget what his business of trade was, but I'm pretty sure it wasn't watching tape and evaluating offensive line play. You know, he, like, uh, he, stick to, uh, stick to do what you do well. He, he's the owner of Flexengate, which was uh, an automotive. I think he, he basically sold something to every automotive company in the world, which got him rich i believe okay. it's, it's something along those lines a much different skill set than building a 53-man roster oh yes yes as every <laughs> owner like you don't own a team first then become rich right and say oh this is a fun little game to play with i'm gonna start <laughs> drafting players urban meyer is really interesting to me because i know people that know him so i actually have at least a you know two levels of separation from him and people rave about him as a culture builder, you know, everywhere he went. And that's super important for Jacksonville. I mean, they, with the exception of one year, they've been a loser forever. I mean, and they're so young that maybe his college approach would work better on that team than an established one that has a bunch of 30-year-old guards and nose tackles that have kids at home and have been around the block. And he could maybe build a culture there. But I've also, also heard some people say, if he gets that job, they might consider Fields at one. Like, don't quote me on that, but if it entails not getting Lawrence, there's no way I'm hiring you. <laughs> well, I mean, and, and that would be kind of part of it, right? And so you're, and here's the other thing. What if, what if, okay, what if you say, okay, look, Fields is maybe 
1B to Lawrence's 1A. But look, what we could do is we could trade down to two with the Jets, who might love Lawrence, give us something. We still get fields of two, and we still get some future picks that might be really high. Maybe that's the way to maximize that. If you really do like fields at the top and you hire somebody like Urban Meyer, I could see that. It's not the most insane thing. And look, quarterback, we know. Look at look through the history of, of drafts. It's not going to be like the guy who's drafted first is the best and the guy who's drafted second is the second best. That's not the way it goes. So if you truly believe in the kid uh, from the neck up, and you can get a little bit extra to go along with it, I, I could maybe be talked into that. But uh, that's dicey. That is dicey not taking the best, best guy if you believe that one guy is better. I'd have to watch both of them more. But from the, the draft geeks I trust, that's a very dicey move. And I would need more than, quote, something. I want, like, next year's first from the Jets to make that. I mean, I, it's got to be more than give me a backup safety and I'll make the swap. Like, I need something pretty serious to do that. But the quote two podcast I listen to a lot is move the sticks just did this to your point where I think they went over like the last 20 draft classes and compared the first quarterback taken in every draft versus who was the best one taken in every class. And usually they're not the same guy. I mean, there's a lot of cases where it's not the same guy, you know, like Dak Prescott was better than Wentz and Goff. You know, I mean, there's a lot of those type of situations. Mm. That doesn't mean you should wait to the fifth round to take a quarterback. I don't mean it that way. But <laughs> th these guys that are first overall picks aren't always the best guy. Like, I'd rather have Allen or Lamar than Baker. I mean, there's a lot of examples. And I also have heard Mike Lombardi's podcast a lot. And he his biggest thing is whoever the Jags hire – their number one job is go recruit Lawrence and make him feel super comfortable, make him come out. I mean, he doesn't have to come out. If he doesn't like the Jags higher, he could be like, eh, I'm going to yeah, go back. He could pull year. an Elway and say, look, go ahead and draft right. me, but um, I'm not showing up. So that's just going to screw you even more, right? So, uh, And I don't blame prospects either for having a, flexing whatever power they have when they have it and trying to get somewhere that's better for their career and in, in their life. Right, right. Okay, more head coach jobs. Let's talk about a few more of these. Might have to push some of our two-minute drill into Wednesday, which is totally fine. As usual. Yeah, and that's okay. Come, we, We've got to cover these jobs. This is important around the NFL. What could happen with these jobs? And, and I like trying to rank these head coach vacancies as well. Coming up on Peacock and Williamson. Did you know chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers? Not rockauto.com. Rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody and are always reliably low. RockAuto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than charging prices based on what the market will bear. Or you see that person behind the counter typing around on a little computer screen you can't see. RockAuto.com is not that. They are a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of of manufacturers. It's a simple website, super easy to use. Find what you need exactly for your specific vehicle, no matter the make, model, or year. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. It's not super surprising that a lot of teams that need head coaches have not been winning recently, but some of that losing goes back quite a while and multiple coaches and GMs and regimes. Is the Detroit Lions opening the worst of them all? Maybe. Because 
the history of losing, when you start looking at organizationally top-down, I don't know why, but you have an owner that's probably going to be pretty hands-off. If you're a head coach, you can bring in a GM with you, most likely, and and we'll see if they go GM first or head coach first. They've interviewed Daryl Bevel, Eric Bieniemy, Marvin Lewis, Robert Sala, uh, Arthur Smith, and I believe Dan Campbell, who is an assistant, like tight ends coach for the Saints is somebody on their list to be interviewing as well, which is an interesting name there. But uh, the Detroit Lions job, you have Matthew Stafford. Do you stick with Stafford? It's similar to the Falcons job in that you have an aging, really good quarterback. Do you build around that player or do you tear it down? A couple notes there is I, I think a lot of people look at the Lions as, quote, a bad organization, like I mentioned with the Chargers, because they never win. I mean, So in a way, they mm-hmm. absolutely are. But in terms of a job, you mentioned it. They're pretty hands-off. They're, you have a pretty long leash. I mean, the ownership is shown. They don't just pull the plug on somebody right away. You could be pretty bad to get fired there. So you probably have a couple years leeway to turn that thing around. In terms of what you're inheriting, it would be very low on my list. And if I'm doing the hiring for the Lions, I would get down to my last couple candidates, all of whom have great resumes and are great leaders and culture builders and all, you know, great people. And then I would say, tell me your Matthew Stafford plan. You know, is your plan we're we're building around Matthew and we're going to address XX and X, you know, with with our with our picks and how we're going to make Matthew's life easier? Or are do you want to move on and you and you lay out that plan for me? Give me your Stafford plan. Yay, nay, stay or go. And I want to hear whoever is the best one. Would you prefer the Falcons job or the Lions job, Matt, if you were a head coach? They're similar. The thing I like more about the Lions job is I think I can, I think Stafford's better than Ryan, not by leaps and bounds. So if I stick with my guy, I'm good. I think I can get a lot more for Stafford if I trade him. He's tradable, period, because with the contract situation, Matt Ryan Ryan is not. Yeah. Right. The Falcons pick a little higher to get Lance or Wilson or whoever. But and the Falcons, I think, have a better roster. But I think the Falcons could get old or already did overnight, you know, because you can't really move on from yeah. Ryan and Julio. So I think I'll take the Lions job. Yeah, the, the Falcons job, uh, the, the Lions job, you can turn it over quicker if you say, OK, let's let's get something for Stafford. Uh, his contract is tradable. I think a team would take that on. You should be able to get something for him, whether it's a, a one or a, an early two or something like that and start the rebuild quicker. With the Falcons, you, you almost have to try to go one more year with what was already built. And then if that mm-hmm. doesn't work, now you're one year behind and you're one year in. Now you're starting a rebuild. Now three years in is your job in jeopardy because you had to start a, a rebuild late. So for me, yeah, the Lions job would probably be a little bit more enticing than the Falcons job for that reason. One more similarity, though, is the NFC North and the NFC South competition Brady, Breeze, Rodgers. Mm. I mean, Rodgers is awesome, but how long are they all going to be there? You know, not long for the for Brady and Breeze. Yeah. You know, Rodgers could fall apart at any point. He's awesome. Kirk Cousins doesn't scare me. The Bears quarterback situation is a disaster right now. And I trust the Panthers to get it right, but they haven't yet. That's interesting. Aging quarterbacks in both those divisions. So those divisions could look very different at the top in the in the very near future, depending on what happens with the, those careers. And this might be it for Drew Brees in the uh, in the South and, and Tom Brady, too. So, yeah, very interesting points there about what like 
And does that make, again, the Chargers job a little bit less interesting because you know Mahomes yes. and the Chiefs are going to be there every year. Right, absolutely. It, it is certainly nicer, though. Hey, they're 7 of 16 go every year. So even if we lose out the Patty and Andy Reid for a couple of years yeah. and we win 10 games, we should still get in the dance. But still, you want to you want to see a clear path to winning your division or being the best team in your division for an extended stretch. I liked the Jets job a few weeks ago, a little bit better than I like it right now when they had the number one pick. They have all that cap room. I like Joe Douglas at GM. It's one of the teams that does have their GM in place, who I believe in, actually, and I loved his draft. I think Jets might have had one of the best drafts in the NFL last year. And I think have, for real. And you have a high pick. Number one would have been better than number two, but you still have an opportunity there. Again, it's a little bit less certain. Now do you do the you know trade Darnold thing, draft a quarterback, which is probably the way I would still go, or probably. do you try to sell that number two pick and roll with Darnold one more time? So uh, an interesting conundrum there, but the Jets job, how do you feel about this one? By the way, the candidates here that have been requested to interview, and a lot of the similar names, Eric Bieniemy, Brian Dable, uh, Brandon Staley, Matt Eberflus, and a new name, Patrick Graham, Giants defensive coordinator. Hmm. I don't think it's a bad job. I, I mean, you look at the division, and Buffalo could own it for a while. Miami's got a lot of assets to get a lot better overnight, and they got a lot better overnight in one offseason. And Belichick will probably figure something out, and they still won seven games. But to your point, I, I trust Douglas. Uh, I've met him a couple times at the Senior Bowl and know a lot of people know him. Very impressive. And his first offseason was strong. But that's going to take a little while. I mean, even if they take fields and he hits, they still have six really good players then. You know what I mean? <laughs> like They've traded a couple of their big dogs. So I like it. I think there's a lot of cards in your hands, including, what, three picks in the top 35 or mm -hmm. whatever, which is great. And, you know, the, the ability to get a quarterback and trade Darnold for more, or if you love Darnold, Maybe you take Penny Sewell and build an awesome offensive line. You know, so I like it, but it would probably be my fourth or fifth draft pick of the open jobs. Right. And so the Jets job, I think, is more fun for a GM, which they already have in place. Yeah. And Joe Douglas would be down the list for me for the head coach, which similarly for the Jaguars, they might be number two or three for the head coach openings. But for the GM openings, if you have the owner who's going to be up in your business and you can't really build things the way you want. Maybe that's less of a, but I mean, the number one pick, all the money they have, the Jaguars job, just from a head coach standpoint, should be pretty attractive. But I agree with you. I think I would have to lean toward the Chargers number one. And even despite the way the roster is, and despite the way there's no draft picks currently uh, to, to rebuild that thing in Houston, just knowing that you have a young star quarterback in Deshaun Watson that's got to be a pretty attractive job. And I think they, I would like to see them go defensive coach because you could probably fix the defense pretty quick and add a whole bunch of wins, even though you don't have, you know, a bunch of first round picks to go with it in Houston. So Houston's interesting yeah. because you don't have to, to gamble on that draft pick of who the quarterback could be. You already know you got a great one. That division also isn't super scary either. I mean, there's a lot of bad defenses in the division, including your own, but there's, you, you definitely have the best quarterback in that division. Maybe Lawrence would change that. Who's to say, but you know, and the Colts are a good team and the, the Titans are a good team, but they're not like the Chiefs. But overall, yeah, this is a, those six jobs that are currently open. We'll see if any more jobs are opening up around the league 
they're they're not bad jobs. Like I would be pretty no. excited if I was a head coach candidate, really to take any of them. If I was only offered one, it'd be like, yeah, let's go. Like the Detroit Lions, New York Jets, let's do this. Mm-hmm. No, I hear you. I mean, again, how long the Packers going to be on top? The other two teams aren't that scary. And back to the, the Texans, real quick. If you're going to give me a tier one, twenty five year old quarterback, I'm guessing his age, that's under contract for the foreseeable future. You should be able to build a winner there. Maybe it takes two, three years, but you should be able to build something with Deshaun Watson. The offseason is always so fascinating. We're going to talk about a lot about playoff football this week, make our picks and get deeper into the playoff matchups Saturday and Sunday. But uh, there's another there's two leagues that are happening simultaneously in the NFL. One is offseason mode. What is postseason mode? And, and we'll get into both of them here on the Peacock and Williamson show. Two-minute drill will be tomorrow. So you still have some time to get those questions in to me at BD Peacock, to Matt at Williamson NFL. You can find the tweet that Matt shot out there and I retweeted and, and reply to that or just tag us in a tweet and we'll get to your questions tomorrow. And I was, I'm already seeing some good questions here, Matt. So I think the two-minute yeah. drill tomorrow, we can dedicate an entire show to it. It will be a lot of fun. I like it. Last note, I just want to throw one thing out there because I meant to say it earlier in the show. I always find it super fascinating and I'll just use like the enemy as a as example because you opened the show saying it's a weird time. Some teams are moving on, coaches are changing. But meanwhile, fourteen teams are trying to win the Super Bowl, and some of these coaches are trying to do all the above. Yeah, you know, like a the enemy. That's really hard. That's really hard. And and I think maybe this year is going to be easier for having a quick like okay, let's have a Zoom interview. You don't have to fly all the way in, and you mm-hmm. can still have a Zoom interview. And, and we can do that, and then we can interview you later if we have a really good feel about it, and, and we can wait for you until the, the Super Bowl is done if that's how far you go. So that is another in- interesting wrinkle for coaches who are who – are, and Eric Bieniemy is a great example because he's on everybody's list, and they're going to be playing for a little while. Right, right. I mean, and Coach Dayball, make sure you put together a nice interview – uh, between you know, when you have free time, besides you know, preparing for the Colts defense. Yeah, you know? that, the the right. four hours of sleep you get. Let's make it three hours today. <laughs> right, so you can interview well for the most important interview of your life. Right, be one of thirty-two jobs. Right, <laughs> All right good stuff. Great. All right, we'll be back tomorrow. Your questions, two-minute drill, right here, Peacock and Williamson.